Welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange, a series of conversations with the artists, labels and promoters who are shaping the electronic music landscape. My name's Ryan Keeling and I'm the editor at Resident Advisor. There may not be a more visible and thoroughly scrutinised artist in house and techno than Nina Kravis. Charismatic both behind the decks and in the press, she tends to evoke strong opinions among dance music fans and the discussion surrounding her often veers from the music she plays and releases. The hypnotic and gritty sound that forms the basis of her career can feel like it's hiding in plain sight. So when Kravis offered to come by our office in Berlin for a chat with Jordan Rothline in advance of her DJ Kicks mix, got her to focus on her roots and inspirations. For Nina, evolving from a Moscow-based dentist with roots in Siberia to an A-list international DJ has been a trip. A word she often uses both literally and metaphorically not least in the title of her ambitious new label project. And on this week's exchange, she takes us on one. I'm struck by the fact that this could have all turned out very differently. When you first went to Moscow, you were going to study dentistry, which is quite a bit different from what you're doing now. Yeah, that's true. How do you make the transition from being a dentist to a house and techno DJ? Well, at first I didn't make any transitions. I was um, in school and... I was just like a normal teenager, but with lots of interests and, you know, hobbies. You know, in Siberia, where I come from, children normally, they um, rarely have their own rooms. I mean, because families are like one, two, three kids, and it's very normal to have a big apartment. But um, normally, sisters and brothers, they live like they share one room. So there's always a little bit less privacy than is needed. And I was just all the opposite. I had my own room because I was the only child. I am the only child in the whole family. And not only that, that me and my father, my father is is like really into records. He's been always buying them a lot, collecting them, and of course listening to me when I was like a kid. 
And at some point, he basically um, gave me that deca, like this Japanese amazing tape recorder. And also the other, like, I don't know, we call it boombox, you know, where you have the uh, radio, you have tape player, and you, you basically can record, record things from the radio. You can also tune in whatever you want. So it's like, it was amazing. And it also had some speakers. So I was totally like on my own. I could be listening to my music sometimes. And that's what exactly what I really loved to do when I was little. At some point, I was just listening to the radio at night. And, you know, I was really into space. Like since I was really little. Space, like outer space. Yeah, space, uh, outer space, astronomy. It was my, one of my favorite subjects, biology, astronomy, chemistry. And I was reading like a lot of books on that, and I was dreaming a lot. And I would imagine that I'm going out to the outer space and all that. And somehow I thought that when you really try to tune in to the radio frequency, that like, you know, when you actually just approaching one there's this very interesting space with some weird sounds like the space between yeah, two yeah, channels yeah and that that this sound was so mysterious to me it was so haunting and i was thinking yeah that, that's actually interesting like what's actually happening between all those two stations and i thought well maybe this is exactly the field like this sonic field where Probably some other galaxies <laughs> could also send some messages and by mistake, you know, just end up in our one. And this is just sounds so weird. And sometimes you would just go and there will be some really obscure like voices coming or some really strange Martian like hello. And it was extremely fascinating. And so at one time I was just tuning in and I, I was like, what the hell is this? And that was this music that I never heard before and it was acid acid track I would only later understand, understand that and since that moment I started to record all the radio shows and we had five hours in between Moscow and Irkutsk where I was from so when the radio show on Friday starts at 10 o'clock p.m. that means it's already 3 o'clock a.m. so of course, the whole house was already asleep and I would be in my room recording the music and that was like so good. Um, I think my like real connection to this started from this radio experience, actually. But did you imagine that you would be able to sort of one day turn this listening experience from something that feels a lot like fantasy into something that you're able to do for a living no, no, to make no. money from. When I was doing it, I was just doing it for no reason. I was just basically enjoying that. I was just traveling in my own like time zones and spaces and all that. And, you know, at some point there was this question uh, where what I want to do. And I was pretty good in history. I was all right with languages and literature so me and my parents we thought you're really into music but you know this always kind of saw me being a little bit helpful when someone's ill or some someone just just don't doesn't feel well or something i'm just somehow doing something to help him out or whatever so they they thought okay maybe this is maybe the med medicine actually is what you have to do and basically we decided that i'm going to become a dentist and I, um, 
I became a student in the university and then one uh, year after I fell in love and uh, I moved to Moscow to con actually with, with the guy that I loved. And I continued to study in Moscow in the university, dental university. I finished, I became a doctor and I even worked three years after, but that's not your question, right? <laughs> and actually um, the transition was like really, I never really thought about the transition. On my first course at the university, in the late 90s, I actually had uh, already my radio program. I became a radio host. And I was just doing a little bit of writing, like, you know, journalist work. And at some point, I knew everything about, you know, Chicago, Detroit, all the pioneers. And like, basically, it was so, so interesting for me. I don't know why, but I just... I just got connected to it. And for a few years, I've been working in the field of journalism as well as been studying medicine. Also, I started doing um, a little bit uh, promoters work and promotional agencies. I was actually dealing with all this party thing and um, I, I would meet and host a lot of DJs and producers and at the same time would do interviews with them. So it was really, really interesting. And I ne never really thought, you know, I never really thought that I would actually ever become a DJ like that you know I I was just doing something for the sake of doing it and I was enjoying pretty much everything I don't remember that I actually slept at all because I was just all the time out I was just doing all these things I was living that parallel life where I would do all these parties and just would go and listen or dance like totally sober I was just so into dancing and I don't know yeah it doesn't it, sound like you would be getting very much sleep during this period. Yeah. I mean, it's not like being a, a dentist, being a doctor isn't a whole lot of work. To be doing all of these things at the same time seems mm. completely crazy. Yeah, I mean, at first, of course, I was studying, but it was, it, it, it was like a real... In other fields, um, you can miss a class, for example, and then um, you, you just go read about it a little bit, on, and that's it. You can just go through a certain exam and you're fine but in medical university every class you actually miss you need to repeat it exact amount of hours so that was like a, this thing gave me so much discipline that i'm actually really thankful for about it we had a little conflict with my parents because when i started actually making this transition really like when i because at some point I just started collecting records and I became a record collector and I started with playing in the bars and in cafes, like kind of easy listening, 70s, 60s soundtracks for French, Italian movies and uh, also like this obscured electronica at the same time. And at the same time I was collecting acid techno and like this kind of really hard and sometimes harsh, <laughs> like manly music. And then... I would come back to that later, maybe. But at some point, I was like thinking, hey, I actually spent so many years and I'm a dentist now, but it feels like I could have probably do something else, you know? I was like, father, I actually think maybe it was all wrong. I spent so much time doing something that I'm now not doing anymore. And he was like, you know what? I don't really believe in such things, I always thought that, I always just felt that you would become something else, but I knew that 
you need to get like a real education you need to become a real human being at first you need to get a discipline and i think that you would be grateful later for this because it is really important to get this idea of like real education actually it really helps you to structure a lot of things for yourself and do you think he was right i mean I has think that is right you know there are always this kind of moments when you start to think about things a lot i mean i i'm a hyperactive person i i've been working like since i'm 12 i've been babysitting like just to get some you know i'm always doing something and my head is full of things and it's just rolling 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 and i sometimes cannot even stop it and the, for this moments when you think like hey where are you where are you in at the moment like where's your ground and then somehow i feel like i have a ground and i i know what is it all about partly because i spent so much years and working with people or working with, for something and treating someone and studying and learning something. So basically now I can jump on everything I want and learn it because I my brain is trained to have like classic education, I think, which is really cool. And for that, I'm really thankful for my parents that I actually did it. And, you know, because they all both, they are trained piano players as well because in, in, um, in their times, every kid... You know, as soon as you have a kid, you need to make him like the most educated ones. We um, Russians, and especially in Soviet times, they had this little thing about their kids to be the best, like the most educated and most talented. So they would normally go and get your, like, put your kid in some sports section or like painting section or dancing ballet or whatever, something like, or piano. But, you know, it was great because we had a lot of uh, really talented outcome from this tradition. But I think sometimes it could be a bit too much for a little kid, you know, to go to piano classes and to go to sport. One, So he doesn't really have any more time for himself. And my parents were like, you know, they're a bit more liberal about that. They thought, you know, my mom, she just wants went and t took me to the ballet dancing class and I wasn't really enthusiastic about it because it was really painful because the first thing they actually try to do with a, with a kid is just to stretch him a lot and she got super concerned she's like you ain't going here anymore Sorry. it's incredibly hard on the body yeah like I'm not gonna give my kid to this kind of thing so that's it the other thing was piano lesson she said you know with your type of nervous system that you're having I think it, it you would hate music if we ever put you like uh, in some musical school. So in the end, I am a musician. And I think I am a musician because, or I don't know, an artist, because I didn't have anything to do with it when I was a kid. I've been having all this double life for quite a long, like for more than like 10 years. I've been slowly collecting music, meeting amazing people you know I, I will never forget this two three years experience that i had in one promotional agency where i would just meet if for example from or lydia lunch all these different people or juan atkins 
like uh, Los Hermanos. Then I would go and meet someone from Legendary Pink Dots or like um, someone from Psychic TV. Like, you know, all these legends and just an experience of meeting them and to have something like to talk to them. And just, it was amazing. Or with Grace Johns, you know, it was just incredibly great school for me, you know. I was doing my thing, my medical thing that nobody knew about when I would do some journalist work and taking care of people but when I would go back to my working place and you know for like nine years I would wake up at because at eight o'clock in the morning I would have to be already in the hospital I, w- I worked at the hospital for veterans of wars so I was actually doing sometimes something for cosmonauts retired cosmonauts and I had so many interesting stories from them or from some people that were in wars you know, it was sometimes very touching and I saw many things, like from this human perspective, first of all. I saw a lot of people to be lonely and suffering, but I also saw really nice moments when we would just, you know, share something really interesting together and we became friends with some patients and it was also a really nice experience. But in that place of my life, nobody really knew that I was already becoming slowly a DJ, that I would dance for like eight hours somewhere, totally on music, you know, and and then come back to my work again, you know. And the worst thing was that, you know, with this work didn't really give me a lot of time to be flexible and to travel, and because I always like to travel. My biggest uh, problem with with it was actually that I could probably actually work until now, if not only this thing that I couldn't continue asking for days off again and again. It would be basically, I think, impossible given your schedule to carry on being a doctor. You know, I'm I'm curious, being a doctor sort of requires that you make a very personal connection with other people, you know, having a good bedside manner. And one thing that people remark on often with your DJ sets is the connection that you have with the crowd. I kind of wonder if maybe some of what made you good or what made you work really well in the medical world kind of rubbed off on your DJ sets. I think so. But yeah, that's the main point about art, music for me. Everything I do is extremely personal. That means it just, yeah, I establish a certain connection with something. And if there is something that I don't feel, I don't believe someone can ever like it or ever have any mo- like be a good experience of watching someone who is not able to, to take something personal, I think. That's how I see it, you know. Of course, there are a lot of other concepts. Yeah, for me, it was always like this. Very human, very personal. A lot of emotions. Maybe that's the biggest value for me in music. Your DJ Kicks mix, which is just about to come out, like it strikes me as being a very personal work. I, I think you mentioned in the promotional materials that, that accompanied it that this mix kind of really harkens back to those late nights spent listening to the radio, dreaming about space. There's that moment at the very end of the mix that almost sounds like kind of a radio broadcast with you speaking Russian over this ambient track. Am I right about that? Is this an especially personal work for you? Yeah, 
I think so. What was the process like then of putting it together? What was the concept? When I got the offer to mix the next DJ Kicks, I was extremely happy, of course. But the next stage of this was just like, yeah, but what am I going to do with this now? Like, how can I really contribute to this series, to this legendary series in the best way? Yeah. And then I thought, well, for me, talking about DJ mixes, the art of teaching, yeah. I personally think and like uh, about teaching that it can be so different and the approach can be really different. You can make a great magic like just by playing 15 records together. And it can be absolutely amazing. For example, like my, one of my favorite ever mixes, DJ mixes by Matthew Herbert, Let's Make Mistakes for um, Trezor. It's one of my favorite mixes. It's just like, it's so natural and it's a little bit incorrect sometimes and tracks are not at times mixed perfectly and sometimes they are getting off yeah, the trail, but it's so charming and somehow it just gets you immediately. And then there is this vibe and magic around it and the dynamics of the mix are absolutely outstanding as well. And then, because there's like this nice, nice dynamic, and then suddenly there's like, check what your mama gave you out of nowhere. It was actually one of my favorite moments of the mix where just suddenly you have this surprising moment, like, wow, what is this? Like, it, this turnaround thing, like, what is, is, is going on here? And of course, there are so many other examples. For example, one of my favorite ever mix is a um, live recording from the FM, again, uh, radio program by Anton Kubikov who is coming from my country as well is Russian maybe people know him from Skyzy 9 project but I always liked him as a DJ at first place so somebody recorded his set I think from the late of 90s if I'm not mistaken where it's just like really nice maybe about 45-50 minutes of music from likes of Svek records, this kind of late 90s, early 2000s, really good house music with some of techno music, like Gasvelli and some early Adam Bayer or Kirillian, like from Abduk, this all kind of really hypnotic, groovy, yet a little wonky music played on vinyl live and recorded and went through the FM frequencies. So imagine, yeah. And then, you know, at some point, he's like coming out and in the most casual way says, Добрый вечер, меня зовут Антон Кубиков, вы слушаете радиостанцию 106FM, оставайтесь с нами, что-то вроде того. Something like this, you know. Just very casual, just to remind the listener that he's actually there. Hello. <laughs> Just like a little track yeah, ID, yeah. basically. It has such a brilliant fact. I don't know. I love it so much. I listen to that mix because it's on on YouTube. You can also do it. I shared it on my Facebook one time. Every time I listen, I just it's amazing. If you want to work a little bit on your computer or just read a book and just turn down the lights a little bit and then you just play this mix, not too loud, with not too much focus on it. It has to be a little bit on the background. And it just gets you somehow. It's just so hypnotic. You, you can't stop listening to it. It's, it's magic, really. This is magic mix. 
And I don't know why. And then the other thing is that at some point you could hear these waves, like FM frequencies that are going a little bit. Uh, so probably coming in on the radio of whoever's yeah, yeah, recording yeah, it. Absolutely. And it's like, what, it really has an uh, absolutely outstanding effect on me. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then this, the first thing, of course, is um, there are some tracks in it where he mixes it and then he's like oh i changed my mind so he just <laughs> brings it back and then takes it back and then in half an hour he comes back with the same track again and th there's some amazing moments and they're just they are there because it's, it was totally unpredictable it was just totally by chance it was not planned and it was at night and a lot of people were listening to that mix and i really believe in that that a music somehow absorbs the energy of what is going on around. And this is extremely interesting because when you think of a concept, like what do you think it is so important about the mix? And I was thinking about what I want to deliver as an artist because there is this concept, but I don't have a crowd. You know, I am mixing this mix for myself. So there will not be additional energy input in my mix i strongly believe you know you you may think i'm totally nuts and crazy but i really believe so for example if you record a mix at home like 10 records and you will record it done then you mix the same records in a club and i think it will be absolutely different just because your own energy with the energy of people around and also the atmosphere in the room, it will be completely different experience. Well, I mean, I know this to be true from like my own forays into bedroom DJing or whatever. And I'm sure lots of listeners have had the same experience too, that when you're playing records at home and you press record on your computer or your tape player or whatever, the mix just feels flat. It doesn't come out well. But then if you have some friends over or if you get to go play someplace and you play almost exactly the same things, it just feels way better and the energy is there. Yeah, of course, there is another thing is that sometimes if you have like really strong focus and you're alone in a room and you are like, for example, if, if I produce music and I really am focused and I have a lot of emotional context, yeah, of course, it also will be reflected somehow. Like unless you're really focused... You feel it really well. I think it's very different when you mix it actually with an actual crowd. So the other concept I was thinking, okay, not only this is important, but also do I want to, uh, for example, uh, mix all the music that I have in this kind of ghetto manner where you play music very fast according to grooves, you just put in tracks in and out super fast without um, actually really gluing with, like exactly gluing them with each other yeah without even blending them or you want to have this more texture and you just want to have a um, smooth mixing in like very long mixes you know and just one record after another or the third thing i thought maybe i would like to have this absolutely different approach i would like to have make it a little bit more trippy with loops with um i would like to structure it a little bit different and play same songs or different parts from the same songs throughout the mix and then i thought yeah but that means i would only do it like you know like a studio mix with lots of editing which is interesting but 
what about this life approach that I really like? So in the end, I would re-record some parts life and some parts would come there from like additional editing because otherwise you can't really do it. So it was really interesting. And then in the end, I decided to make this hypnotic kind of mix with underwater flow, not really with obvious emotion, but rather to leave this decision to the listener. I wanted to share my favorite concept about this whole thing. There are a few, but my favorite and the one that is I really feel is that the most beautiful thing about this DJing and playing records is that you can always create your own uh, mood and your own story and your own world by playing music which is not too obvious enough already. If I select 10 songs and blend them together, this is one thing, yeah? But I was never really interested in that. I like moods and I like the feeling that is not that obvious, that always leaves you a little bit of space for your own imagination, that a little bit stimulates your own brain, your own head to work and to reconstruct the picture according to your own needs or your own, you know, potential. I definitely hear that in this mix because there aren't a lot of like really obvious hooks on it. It's quite dark. It's quite rhythmic and it's very, it's very textural. And you have to really, I think, as a listener, listen very closely to hear those hooks, you know, to, to kind of hear the melodies and the, the melodic content that's hanging out underneath. Yes, I agree with you, but I think um, there was basically one, a few, a few parts where I think it's pretty, it outstands, I think, with this Goldie track and with this David Bowie vocal, <laughs> which is um, one of my favorite parts of the mix. It was such a big drama, we couldn't really license the track until the very last moment, and I said, I'm not going to release the mix if this track is not going to be there. I was so, so... It's, this track is so, so special for me. And and I'm, Goldie was really so sweet to help us. And DJ Kicks team also did a lot of work to help us to get the track. Because it was released on the major label. It was almost impossible to, to license. But finally we got it. And um, I loved it how it... it because it, when this vocal comes out and there are still some tracks playing and then there will be three tracks playing at the same time you know and sometimes it was also a really funny moment of a lot of people oh like Armando this cool track this that you included for the mix but then they're like uh, wait a minute but where's the track <laughs> because I only you know I never really liked the most obvious parts I really like always just a little loop or a little moment but that's exactly what I want and the, the first um Part of this track, there's just this um, kind of Blade Runner-inspired um, monologue with just some very strange harmonies that are not really minor, not major, like some something in between, something really dusky. Yeah, and I just took it and I, I incorporated it in the whole mix. So the main part actually never really comes out. And some tracks in the mix are just for 20 seconds. 
just for one moment. Or, for example, I licensed track of Fred P, uh, which is a beautiful house uh, composition track, but never ever even starts to evolve like in the original because I just looped the one part which I found so hypnotic. I was just listening to it and I was like, oh, wait a minute. I think this is really something that I, what I want because he, he just says something there and his voice is just loosened to murky, dark mood and I was like, yes, great. So this whole mix is like a lot with a lot of speaking. There was this another record by Jay Denham and there's a lot of people just talk and their talks are not for you to understand what exactly they're saying, but just actually to kind of sink you even more a little bit underwater, you know, just so you will hypnotize a little bit. Mm-hmm. And this is not obvious, you know, the, the pace of the mix is very... Um, you can have your own imagination from start to the end. This is something that I think is um, cool about this mix. That, yeah. I definitely think one thing a lot of people will take away from this mix is the vocals, or maybe I should say the voices, because it's not all singing. And this is something that I think has been a big feature of your music in general, is the human voice. Like as abstract as your productions or as your DJ mixes or, or whatever will get at times, there's always still this human voice that you get in there. I mean, do you think that that really is the way into your music? I know why I use a lot of my own voice in my own production. This is very clear for me. When I do music, I don't use a lot. Uh, like, I'm not really... I told you yeah, that I don't have a classical education, musical education. But I have, I've been always having pretty good ears, yeah. Since I was very little, because me and my father, we, we would listen to a lot of psychedelic stuff, like rock some really weird shit i'm sorry and i kind of always liked to play with harmonies and i would i loved singing and my singing singing wasn't that like that kind of outstanding that my parents would be like wow it's the kid has to go and take some vocal classes become Montserrat Caballero or something but I, i loved it i loved it a lot to to vocalize my emotions yeah i loved it so much And then when this moment came and I actually started trying to produce my music, to make music, which was like uh, quite a long time ago, I had a very, very minimalistic equipment set up. I had just uh, one synthesizer, the first synthesizer that I have ever bought. It was a Korg R3. Very simple, but actually I love it so much. And uh, a very simple uh, drum drum machine, drum rack actually, computer, sound card, and the mic. I, because I, I I wake up or I go to bed, I always have my head, my brain, not completely rested. It's always it's keep on rolling with. I have thousands of ideas that I constantly circulate in my head, you know, and. Sometimes in between those ideas, I have music, harmonies, voices, something like this. It all depends on the emotional context or whatever I have experienced throughout the day or whatever. What's the, what's the goal of the day or something. But sometimes it's really intense. One of my most prolific times was actually when I was in the beginning, in the very, very beginning of all that. 
I was really suffering in my not not really suffering, but I was like quite suffering in my love stories, and it was so inspiring, and it gave me a lot of inspiration and somehow lyrics and melodies and everything and just harmonies they would come out of me without any invitation you know it was such an intense time for me when all my first records came out this i'm gonna get you pain in the ass and i did this uh, record for just that label underground quality all at the same time it was super super emotional oh i'm weak or all those other songs i would make them in a minimum time it was all one takes i would just start doing something and just because of my ears and harmonies i would just play this chords according to my earring actually and as soon as there is something lacking and i i just feel that i wanted to be there the sound of the melody or the harmony i would just recreate it with my voice we well, had yeah, a drum machine and a synthesizer like these both have a lot of knobs there's a lot of programming that goes into them but that's pretty with, easy still yeah but compared to how easy it is to get sound come out of exactly. out of your own vocal cords i mean that's the fastest way to get exactly. an idea out there for me my approach in the production is like this if it's ain't coming out from you then just leave it it's my own approach i i go I switch on something. If it's there, if an idea is really interesting and, and complete and worthy, then it's going to be made really fast. To lock the idea, actually, I really believe not only in music, but in everything. The really good idea is th the one that is coming quick and is actually being pretty much spontaneous. And because it's really locked quick, that means it's so I almost ideal that you don't need much to, you know, to add up to it. It's already there. When I do some records, or some, like, for example, I produced Ghetto Kravitz in 20 minutes. It was just there. I just, I thought, okay, that's finished. I have nothing anymore to add there. You know, it's just my own minimalistic approach to it. But coming back to vocals, you were absolutely right. What could be easier easiest and the most you know comfortable way uh, for a person like me to really like you know to release an emotion or a musical idea of course the mic and actually i'm somehow glad that i i was in the very beginning so lim so kind i didn't really have a lot of instruments because it was minimizing to maximize the outcome somehow because I was squeezing everything out. My whole world was just available for creativity, you know, and I made so many interesting things that were so wrong and no one who actually had an experience and a real like classic vision on how make, to make music or how to play the keys and all that kind of thing would never really come out with it because I was just doing everything against the kind of the rules so I made kick drums with my vocals I would just you know pitch down the using the very simple tools and effects to make anything I want out of my vocals if I don't see something that I need in my equipment at the moment so I would make 
numerous uh, pads with my voices and then people asking sometimes you know what is this um synthesizer you used here like why is it sounding so interesting like i never heard this i was like oh well this is basically my own voice just uh, through Vermona spring reverb or something like this and it just sounds so cool now and so basically what i'm trying to say i always use my voice as not only to like it's a very personal thing it's hello it's me but also as a tool and it's just simply the easiest instrument for me that is just there from whenever I want it. Do you still work with quite a minimalist setup when you're producing? Well, now I'm a kind of a gypsy. Uh, I used to have my little studio and with a, quite a, a few synthesizers. I mean, come on, yeah. I, I had, of course, uh, two, three years after I developed a little bit uh, the studio and I always I bought me like amazing monitors mixer everything but uh, now I'm a, a little gypsy and uh, now I live in Berlin I don't have my own studio place at the moment so for example what I would do I would just go to someone's studio or rent one and with my own synthesizer or drum machine and but the funny thing is that last time, for example, I, I bought this synthesizer, Cork Lambda. It was so big. And I was thinking, okay, it was amazing because there was this uh, remix for Paris Mitchell, for this Dance Money producer. And there was a need to make a remix. So I said, okay, then I I need an inspiration. Because for me, the, the, the main point about the music is inspiration and how quick and how how productive you can be and how quick you can produce ideas and lock them. So I was thinking, okay, I need to make some new uh, new remix. Uh, new, I was making also new EP for, for Ricketts that time. What would be the best inspiration? And then I just got me a new synthesizer, which is really great. Also a new drum machine. And it was enough for a new track. And I made this John Carpenter-ish remix, kind of very true trippy um, which I was quite happy with with a lot of vocals again like not really vocals but spoken words you know just sometimes I just feel there should be spoken words and there are spoken words in that track not from me but from someone else I think it adds up some something to the story you know for me the track is always somehow a story even if it's a loop you know it was just an endless loop. There should be something around it. But as soon as I finished the remix, I left the synths there because I just don't have anywhere to put it. I don't have my studio, but now I'm in a serious... I'm looking for a place at the moment. I'm also interested uh, at the moment. I'm building my... I'm contacting different companies for different models. I would like to construct my own modular synthesizer just according to my needs. It's really, really um, interesting. I loved it. I've been to Japan recently and I attended this festival of modular synthesizers. It was really beautiful. I, this live sessions where you, the whole auditorium stands in headphones and listens to the live session on modular synthesizers. Wearing the headphones this was great. Absolutely amazing. I would like, really like to go further with this. 
Yeah, and I just left all the synthesizers exactly in the studios where I worked, but now I, I have to collect them and put them in the studio. In the end, there's been a lot of synthesizers, or if I group them now and I put them all together, it's going to be already quite interesting. And also all my effectors and all my this and that. It's, it's going to be, yeah. The, the new instrument for me is primarily the source of inspiration just to touch something to get really inspired by this and then as a result of communication with the synthesizer which i really think that the synthesizer is a has a soul especially i like old synthesizers it has not only the soul it also has its own mood you know many people for example they do not understand sometimes how difficult it could be to program some machines that are kind of iconic and they think it's so easy but it's damn not easy you know for example when you just take the 303 many people think it's so easy to just just 303 isn't it and but it's not it's just to program this machine it requires a lot of practice and knowledge because this machine is super tricky and i like this trickiness about synthesizers that's why i love working mostly with them and then I record some parts and when I record some music or some tracks in the studio, there's always something that is not used left. Like I, I, because I, how I work, I only record live. And then if it needs further editing, then I maybe cut it or whatever. But normally I like to be everything, everything to have it recorded live. This is my approach because I believe that the energy that is there when from the first take it's the most honest and the most powerful and most interesting funny thing that um i always keep this whole kind of trash that's what because you know sometimes people work like that they they know what they want so they just re-record they do a lot of recording and again and again the same chords until they really reach what they want yeah my subject of interest is something else i like mistakes I like mistakes, really weird coincidences, like where the machine did some really strange tweak, like, and then there is this sound that you have never programmed and you thought, like, what is going on here? And for me, every time it happens, I feel, I truly believe this is a signal from outer space. This is my connection to the other galaxies. Honestly, I think this is, I love this idea, this concept. Mm -hmm. and, and then... When I'm traveling, for example, I made this uh, track that I put on my own label, Improve, like this, like actually in the airport, because I just took something from my different sessions, found the most obscured, weird parts and atmospheres and layered them. I like layering interesting parts. You know, when someone is showing you a color, like this is red yeah sure. this is surely green this is obviously black this is particularly white but i never really liked colors like that i don't like obvious colors definitions obvious harmonics obvious notes i don't like too sharp frequencies i like everything blended and i like something that comes in between green that is almost blue black that is almost gray with some inclusions of i don't know silver or whatever i like these undertones 
I like that kind of people. I like that kind of approach in life. I believe that's what actually shapes the personality. That's the most important thing for me. And this is the biggest value for me in the whole thing, just to enjoy and to see all these undertones and semi-colors and this dusk areas of life, harmonies and melodies. That is where, you know, the space that is rather empty than too full, because it's, it's a little bit empty. You can always add up something of yourself there and make it genuinely yours, you know, and have your own way of thinking and your own corridor for your own things, feelings, emotions. I wanted to ask you about the label Trip, especially with the first release, which is the Deviant Octopus, right? (laughs) I can really sort of hear that aesthetic in the tracks that, that you chose for that release. That must be a lot of fun for you running a label has it been a good experience absolutely yeah i love it actually it took me a little while to to set up a label but i finally did it <laughs> it's been really big pleasure for mm-hmm. sure because i could finally do something according to my way of thinking and the label is called trip just like could be just a travel trip Trip to Mars, trip to Paris. And I wanted to ask about that name too, because it's just trip, like the English word, but spelled in Cyrillic it's Cyrillic, characters. yeah, it's called trip. I mean, like I said, it could be this normal trip to A to, from A to Z, but it could be also a little mental trip. It's a bit trippy, isn't it? <laughs> my life is definitely a bit trippy in my whole, I don't know. I just sometimes see things... I just woke up one time and I thought about this octopus that he was just so lovely and nice and then suddenly just devoured everyone inside without a moment's notice. He has eaten everyone and he, he didn't really got it what, what happened actually. Just like flipped in a second and to do. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, I thought, then I just was just going through my computer and I saw on Facebook somebody, some guy, artist who made a really weird drawing of me, super dark and completely mysterious. I was immediately on his case, of course, uh, asking, what is this? Like, where did you get that? (laughs) He was like, sorry, I didn't didn't mean anything wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Because some people are just a little scared of my my reactions because I'm pretty straightforward with everything I say. But I said, it's beautiful. It's amazing. It reminded me of this moment. Just watched a documentary about Pink Floyd. It's one of my favorite bands. And they were talking about this uh, moment in Dark Side of the Moon, and the vocalist did this ah, 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 on top of the song they made. So they asked her to, to sing something, and she was like doing this amazing, absolutely beautiful solo in the most human, sometimes incorrect way, was like super open. And then she finished, and she was going out 
drop of the room with tears, like saying, I'm sorry, guys, it was horrible. Uh, apologies. And they were like, no, it's absolutely fantastic. It's beautiful. It's one of the, for me, it's one of the most beautiful moments in music. But it also reminded me somehow how different perception of different people could be, you know. I don't know. It just was something completely else. Anyway, but so I, I said, hey, dude, let's do something together. <laughs> I like what you're doing. You have to be in contact. And uh, by the way, you know, I just woke up and I had this trip about an octopus so i told him the story actually his portuguese his octopus is pretty usual thing for them because they cook a lot of i think it was really weird coincidences somehow octopus portuguese guy da, da, da. <laughs> so i was like okay and then the next in the next days he just came up with this visualization of what i told him about so he basically drawn the whole story and i said okay cool so that's that's how it is going to be on my label so the artwork which will be expressing visualizing the the trip the story because there is always a story around the label and sometimes people think it's like a various compilation but it's not it's not really a typical various artist compilation it's just that i'm signing music constantly from different people and then when there another idea or trip comes in I have something to select it from and I'm actually looking for music that would combine the whole idea around it, yeah. So um, it's not like randomly put tracks. There's always a connection. But actually, I was pretty happy. I was thinking nobody really would get it. But I totally realized that some people got it, that it's actually connected, mm-hmm. that there is a story behind it. And every track is um, on its place because of that. So, Yeah. I'm very glad about it. Do you have a story or a concept or a dream, a trip, whatever that that you're working with for the next the next release, the next few? Yeah, and the next one gonna be about Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> how did that How did that one come about? Well, that's a little personal, but I had also a strange dream about that. You know, that's about Robert De Niro that. He just also, in the middle of the night, he woke up in in pain, you know, just totally sweating. Like, how come for my whole career I haven't done a single bad movie, you know, in my life? What the hell am I doing here? <laughs> so he got extremely upset about it and disappointed. So he packed his little bag and went down the Hollywood hill. That's it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing this. <laughs> yeah. This is going to be really Just great. Get extremely like bored basically. <laughs> <laughs>